Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Boom, we're rolling. Uh, I'm joined by Lisa from Logico. Lisa, great to great to have you on. And you've got COVID, not got COVID. No, got I cough. haven't got COVID, just a cough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just before we came on air, I just said to um, Lisa, you know, have you done anything like this before? No, I was like, we're just going to waffle. And she was like, that's fine. That's what I do anyway. So it's like, it's all good, right? Um, <laughs> yes. Lisa, just for the benefit, like this is like a real networky, awkward thing. Have you listened to a podcast yet? That's always a test, that, isn't it? <laughs> It's fine. No. You can be honest. That's fine. <laughs> no. That's fine. Um, no, no, no sweat at all. I've, I've just rocked up late. I've just turned up and put you on the spot and asked you if you've listened. She's not listened. It's fine. But the listeners have listened, all two of them, and they're there listening with bated breath. Um, no, this is a really sort of networky thing to say, you know, oh, introduce yourself. But yeah, just for the benefit of the listeners, Lisa, you're right to just sort of tell people a bit about you. I know from when we, we first met, <laughs> You've got a fairly interesting background, bit of driver hire here and there. I don't know if you're allowed oh, yeah. to tell people that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you normally so, keep that quiet? Sorry. Uh, no, not really. No, 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 out. no. It's fine. It's fine. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm Lisa Fleming, um, Managing Director of uh, Logico. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a, a, a stringent past, really. So, oh, I used to be an operations manager for... Dixon's uh, Curry's PC World, um, and then uh, set up to run franchise with them doing um, home delivery. Uh, then obviously I had a driver high franchise, and then I set up Logico, uh, which is obviously compliance and consultancy, um, do a lot of public inquiry work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <clears throat> Sorry. It's okay. I'll just feel the silence. I'll feel the silence. You cover your mic and have a good cough, and then come back in the room. It's okay. We'll work it out. <laughs> So Logico are relative for listeners. They're fairly similar. You're fairly similar to flagship partners, apart from at different ends of the country. Um, so you do quite a lot of, although our work mix is slightly different, isn't it? So you do yes. a lot of PI stuff, don't you? Yes, absolutely. What's your What's your background, Lisa? What's your qualification, if that's okay? I've got a law degree. Um, mm. And I've just actually, strangely enough, I've just been looking at the Open University um, to see how to get me solicitor's qualification. So I'm just currently nice. engaging with them to see if I can go that step further. Nice. Nice. It makes me feel like a bit on edge, like strong, powerful <laughs> woman, law degree, going to be a Girl solicitor. Power. <laughs> yeah, proper, isn't it? Proper. No, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, and you've got loads of experience now as well because you've been doing loads of PIs. Oh, we do on average about four to five a month. Um, so uh, one month we did eight. Uh, it was quite intense, very in- uh, very intense from from my work ethic. But yeah, but it was good. Learn learning quite a lot. I've uh, got a bar standards license, so we work with uh, Lincoln House Chambers. Um, so I do quite a bit of work with the barristers. Really good set of team. So yeah, good guys and girls. Sorry, there's girls there as well. <laughs> Sorry, Lucy, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> and um okay so you do pis and then you also do like the usual sort of stuff like driver cpc transport consultancy that kind of stuff as well yeah 
Yeah, any any training, just like yourself, uh, Pete, within the industry, uh, we cover all the training um, and, and accredited the same way as yourself as uh, with SILD. Yeah, perfect. And um, and if you can't tell by Lisa's accent, what, what part of the world are you from, Lisa? Derham. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, so, Lisa, we met we met at the BAA. So, tell me a bit about your involvement with the BAA. Uh, so, we're contacted by. Um, the BEA to um to work well it was sort of min train yeah. uh, Mark Cowan who contacted us um yeah. to come and uh, work with them on delivering the training um who then said he was a part of the BEA for us to go along become a member and now being appointed chairperson not chairman chairperson <laughs> of course chair, chairman of the transport committee yeah. yeah so um yeah we met at that mark listeners will know mark because he uh, he came on and spoke a load of stuff about mixer rollovers surprisingly enough yeah um but um he's very passionate isn't he very passionate yeah. guy. i love i love mark to be fair oh he's a great guy him, yeah great always find him fascinating he's totally dedicated to road safety and i love yeah. it um but yeah so yeah, he's uh, introduced you to BAA, and you're, you've taken the uh, chair person, chair person, chair and person. I am the a vice yeah. chair person. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can be the vice chairman. That's fine. You can get away with oh, that. <laughs> well, okay. Is that allowed? Is it? I didn't know yeah. if it was just not allowed anymore. I didn't know if it was not allowed. I thought are all people chair chairperson. No, right. chairman. Chairman, I, if I you're can... a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say player player of the match rather than man of the match these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, let's stick stick with the PC stuff then. Um when we had a chat about coming on and 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 having a bit of a podcast of that, we we said, what should we have a chat about? And we thought, let's have a chat about restricted licenses. Yeah. I was gonna do a bit on earned recognition first, if that's okay, because yeah. I've I know we're we're on the route we're on the route to approval, just waiting for our ISO paperwork to come through, which has taken forever, by the way. British oh. Assessment Bureau, if you're listening, like sort it out. Our audit was nearly two two weeks ago. Yeah. I haven't got paperwork through. No, it doesn't no, surprise no, us. No <laughs> it doesn't uh, surprise us. <laughs> you've dealt with them as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, the audit was great. The audit was great. But yeah, so we were on the route to earn recognition. We're looking forward to getting involved. But you've been doing it. How long have you been doing it? Uh, be two years. Yes. Well, be over two years now because I've got some of my clients now coming up for the uh, biannual audit. Okay. And I'm starting to be, I'm starting to roll them out now. Okay. Okay, cool. And what, so tell me a bit that, and, and this is a bit of a learning for me. There's sort of two things to earned recognition, isn't there? Because you can either pre- prepare somebody to become earned recognition and then they get audited by someone else or yeah. you do the auditing for them, right? Yeah, you can't do both um, because um, it becomes a di- direct conflict of interest and, and it's um, you're then breaching the standard as an auditor. Okay. So you can either work with so an operator can say, right, I want to I want to meet the standard and I want to be in a position to apply for earned recognition. So you can work with them and put them in that position. Um, and then in I would then not be allowed to audit them or be involved with them. If you then audit the customer um, and you find that there's failings is the wrong word to use. But just in this instance, we'll say that there's failings, there's, there's room for improvement. We cannot then work with them. To put them right we have to tell them where they failed and what they need to do and then you have to go in and uh, do another audit to see if they're satisfied and they've got up to three months to fix that okay 
And the mm. minute that you step in and say, I'll help you, the DVS say that they won't accept the audit. Okay. That's interesting. And what um, what's the standard like, Lisa? The standard's quite high, isn't it? It, it is quite high. Um, it's just been changed um, to make it even higher. Um, and it's, um, it's quite complex. Um, so... Uh, with a lot of things normally to pass something, you'll know this from your ISO, that you've got to have policies and procedures in place. But with earned recognition, not only do you have to have them in place, we have to evidence them as being enforced and managed. And that's all the way from the operator's license to the transport management manager or responsible person to the driver's training, maintenance standards. So it covers absolutely everything to do with the undertakings of the operator's license to where you go above and beyond what's required. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it's a it's, it's a fair standard. It's a fair oh, it standard, is. isn't it? I would say that people with over a fleet of ten vehicles, you, my minimum expectation would be two days on site. If it, if uh, if you're audited within a day, or within half a day, you haven't done a very good job <laughs> because there's so much to go through. Yeah, I got you. Is there any standard set by how many days it takes to do the audit? No. No, because no, the actual standard itself is free, isn't it? Phil Breen always says standard's free, isn't it? Yeah. But they've got to pay. Do, do you have a fixed fee that you charge for the audit, or is it, it's is solely, it commercially up to you? Yeah, it's commercially up to us. Um, it, and we charge by um, how many vehicles, how many operating centres, and how many days is going to be spent. So mm -hmm. if you have over... Um, oh, now you make this think. Is it five operating centres? You've got to visit two. So you've got to do two operating centres, um, but uh, you've got to be sampling a percentage of drivers and vehicles. So as okay. you can imagine, the more vehicles, the bigger fleet, the bigger driver pool you've got, the more time you're going to be on site. Yep. Because it's it's actually analysing, like, so you're looking at your PMI records to make sure that um, any related driver defects is cross-checked against, that drivers recorded it, and that all the ISO weeks align and match roller brake tests so it's actually analyzing the information and then marking them off to be satisfactory and it's the same with like infringements looking at the driver infringement reports working time workers calendar so you're actually physically auditing the data that's in front of you oh. sometimes it's easier i'm not saying it's easier but um it's um uh, a, a little bit of help if you have somebody from your workforce who's experienced to sit side by side with you to help you with the analysis of the information. Um, they, they, they will not be, so the DVSA have to sign off who's approved within your organisation. So although Logico is an approved auditor, there's only me signed off to do them. Okay. You can't just send anybody within your business. Uh, but um, so if somebody does come with us, um, there are they are qualified auditors within the company, but it's not them completing the standard. It's me. They'll fill in some numbers for us, and then I'll then go back and check what the work they've done before I sign it off. But it sometimes is better if there's two people there. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And um, <clears throat> how how have you seen like the uptake for it? Because the 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 DVSA state that like ten percent of vehicles on the road are falling under the standard, but actually there's only like a hundred operators uh, that, are, that are approved at the moment. So it seems like the uptake's been pretty slow and it's largely been the bigger fleets. Is that, yeah. is that sort of a fair, a fair assessment of it? 
Well, the, the comp- there's one big company that I've got through the earned recognition. Um, all the rest have been, uh, no, no, sorry, there's two um, that I did the audits for. Uh, the, all the rest have been like small, like small, medium. So I've had a bit of a mixed, mixed bag. Um, we did have a lot of operators who we were engaging with last year who said they were going to come on, at, sorry, the beginning of this year said it was going to come on towards the end. When we've recently contacted them, they've said they've had to park it because they've got more important things to worry about with the fuel increase. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes so sense. because of all the increases within the operation, although they think it's a good standard and a good compliance to be on, the cost with for the audit um, has took, so other things in the business has took precedence over the cost of the audit, basically. I yeah, feel, that... And one of the key, the key things, and you probably have heard this quite a lot, is around the fuel and how expensive it's becoming within within the industry. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's really stretching everyone, isn't it? Really stretching everyone. I don't know what it's like up there, but down here we've had, um, down here we've had a, a a few strikes in the last couple of days, I think, and it's um, you know, we've had people blocking roads and stuff like that. It's been a bit bit mad, really. I've seen, yeah, I've seen them on the TV. Um, yeah. I think a couple of weeks ago they drove dead like really slow from Newcastle. Um, down the year one south to um oh. i think they went as far as weatherby um okay. and and it was friday tea time as well <laughs> annoying, annoying. Yeah. yeah i love it how you say weatherby i love it how you say weatherby like it's quite far from newcastle whereas actually it's really it bloody north <laughs> so, so far so far north <laughs> so if, so from here it takes probably takes us about now and 20 minutes to get to weatherby <laughs> And it's probably the same in the other direction for us. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a bit further, actually. There we go. Happy days. Um, so, okay, let's do, let's do, you know, we won't burden sort of the end recognition thing, but if people are listening and they're interested, definitely give us a shout anyway. Oh, but, yeah, no, it's fantastic. You know, it's a great what, game what, to be on. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think it's definitely worth having a look at. It is. It will be some investment in getting things right, but it's. Uh, I, I don't think, by the sounds of it, I don't think it will be as bad as fours because fours. Oh. There's lots lots of little hidden charges with fours. There's your annual membership. There's your audit fee. Um, you know, you've got. You'll need a consultant to help get you the standard. You know, it's. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's not a walk <laughs> no. in the park. Anyway, it's free. Anyway. It's a free scheme. It's a free scheme to be on. The only cost is is the cost of the auditor, um, and you've just got to make sure you're on the um, IT approved systems for to send your KPIs in. Yeah, that and, okay. and other than that, it doesn't cost you anything. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Restricted operators. Restricted. Yes. Talk to me. Mm. Talk to me, Lisa, about restricted operators. So we've had a few. And I know there's a few. I know there's few. a few. I know there's a few that listen. So yeah, carry on, carry on. Um, what we've identified is that um, not through um, not through because they want to be defrauding the traffic commissioner or being on the wrong license or anything like that. It's just through um, lack of understanding of what type of operator's license you need to be on. So with with a restricted, everybody aware is aware that a restricted license only constitutes to you to carry and deliver your own goods. The bit that where people have fallen foul of is at what point. So if you're manufacturing and selling goods, at what point does them goods transfer to your customer? Now, um, we tend to use the uh, Goods of Sales Act, um, which would define at what point um, goods would transfer. So if you were 
so I've manufactured um, some cups and you've said, right, Lisa, I want to buy some cups and and can you deliver them? And we in our contract, we don't state that you have a right to inspect before the sale transfers. At that point of you buying them cups before they go onto my vehicle, the, the products have transferred to you and I should be on a standard national license. Does that make sense? And that's where a lot of people have fallen foul because they think that them goods still belong to them up until point of delivery. Now, if if the contract um, states that um, they have a right to inspect and accept the goods, then the goods belong to me prior to delivering to you. The only other uh, time that um, goods wouldn't transfer, so uh, for example, like a fuel company or an oil company where they could remain on, res on a restricted license if they're delivering uh, fuel or oil and I'm delivering it to you, but it's delivered on a measured basis. Yep. So um, I deliver it and I'll, I don't know how much I'm going to invoice you for because we don't know what quantity your tank's going to fill up with. And at that yep. point, the invoice, so therefore that's a restricted license. If I'm delivering a, f a, tank, a tank of fuel to you and I know it's two, it's going to say two litres, it's going to be more than two litres, but you know what I mean. And that, that, that set amount is purchased prior to me delivering it to you. I should be on a standard national license. And there's so mm. many people getting confused with that standard. Um, and that's when I always direct them to the um, the Sales of Goods Act 1979, just for them to define what type of license they're going to be working to. And it's important that they get it right, because if you do get called to public inquiry, the traffic commissioners will have no point but choice but to revoke that license because you're operating illegally. And then you would probably be out without a license for a period of time um, and be, or, uh, you could be given a warning or being told that you can't hold a license again. Got you. So this is, <laughs> this is something you're seeing on a regular basis at the minute. Is uh, it? It's it's coming up quite a bit. Yes. Um, okay. And, and, and is like it a say, fairly new thing that the traffic commissioners are picking up on? Is it? No. Um, I think what we find is that um, this is going to sound really bad. Um, until they get caught, <laughs> but it, like I say, it's not because they think that they do the outdoing. They just think that they're doing the right thing because it's their goods. So it's only at the point of when getting caught. So it could be through like a, they've had a DVSA maintenance inspection. Um, which another story is if you're now applying for increasing on licenses, the DVSA are now coming out and doing inspections, which is now leading to public inquiries because they fail in the maintenance or the desk-based assessments that they're doing. So it could be triggered in any ways of how this has come about. You then fail these desk-based assessments and you're sent to public inquiry and then everything transpires from there. Because no matter what, so say if you were sent for a maintenance investigation, every single record's called um, and the traffic commissioner's office will say, I want six months, 12 months. I'm seeing a lot now of 12 months records. Um, and that's everything from your operation to your training to your maintenance. So they'll call absolutely everything and they'll go through it all. Um, and then obviously if we, if we go in, we, we'll, we'll, if we identify it there and then we'll try and work with the customer to try and fix it. Um, it's always good to have a plan or have something fixed before you get in front of the traffic commissioner. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. At Flagship Partners, we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership. We help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if your fours accredited or you want to improve your operator compliance risk score, give Flagship Partners a call today.
Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. So the sales of goods act 1979 then. Yeah. Does that stipulate then that stipulates or gives advice as to when goods transfer? Is that something yeah. that people can decide in their contracts? Do they have the right yeah, to absolutely. decide? Absolutely. Yeah, there's um <clears throat> there's I think it's section hang on, I've got it. Section 18 rules of intention. Yeah, there is there is a real benefit, isn't there, to running yeah. a restricted license from a cost. Oh, absolutely. Point. Yeah. So less um less averaged costs for your vehicle. So three thousand for your first vehicle, one thousand seven hundred and fifty for your second vehicle. Sorry. Um and you don't need a transport manager, so you don't need somebody with a CPC, but you do need a responsible person. And a lot of people get confused with that because that responsible person still should know what the requirements are of the operator's license. That's right. Um, and other than they're the only, that's the only benefit. It's to do with the financial standing and to do with the transport manager. Other other than that, the regulations are exactly the same. They mirrored. Mm. Um, and the sales of goods act section eighteen. There's five rules in there, and you need to determine which one of them rules fit. And at what point them goods transfer, and when you identify that, you'll be able to identify um, whether you're on the correct license or not. Very good, very good. It's interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a minefield. Because <laughs> I, I know a lot of like skip companies who are running on restricted. Ah, strangely enough, <laughs> the um, there's a bit of a debate going on um and it it hasn't there is a, a public inquiry uh which is happening which is not one of mine just off when i've been speaking to somebody um and they've got the environmental agency involved um okay. and what they're saying is uh, but obviously when you carry skips and waste you've got to have a waste license yeah and that waste license dictates that during transition of the waste it has to belong to the company that's transporting it okay so therefore, the uh, the getting um, a witness statement or an environmental solicitor or lawyer, like I say, I'm not involved with the case. I'm, I will find out once um, mm. it's concluded what the outcome is. Is and that that is also defining whether it's a restricted or a standard national license. But the yeah. environmental agency is stating that with the waste license, you cannot carry that under the whatever terms they are, I'm not a specialist in, in, in waste mm. licensing by any means mm. or terms, um, they are stipulating that that waste has to belong to the carrier who's transporting the goods. Okay. So therefore they are operating obviously to restrict it because the goods then become theirs. Got you. There so you yeah, go. I'll keep you, I'll keep you posted with that one. I mean, I'm interested. <laughs> no, I'm interested in that one because I think um, that the waste and recycling sector is coming under a lot of scrutiny by uh, the traffic commissioners, isn't it? As an yes. industry. Yeah. They're really, they're really hot on it at the minute. So, and I think there are a lot, there are a lot of operators out there who, who run that way uh, are restricted and potentially haven't got a responsible person in place. Yes. I find that all the time. Yeah. Um, and I find that, um, a lot of people, a lot of companies uh, who we tend to deal with are people on restricted licences. Mm -hmm. If I had to put a percentage mark on, I would say 80% of our clientele are restricted licence holders. Really? Stan yeah. Standard nationals normally, um, if they can come in and do an audit um, and help them with systems and improve compliance and work, along or work alongside their transport manager, 
with the uh, restricted, we tend to come on board as a transport consultant and support yeah. the director. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, we um, yeah we have a we have a few clients that we support with restricted, so, and in varying levels, in varying levels of support from a day a week in, as a consultant yeah. to uh, occasional or monthly or or what have you. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think. You can really feel like you add a lot of value. I feel in our position, I'm oh, sure yeah. you do as well, that because of the specialism, we can really add a lot of value and support, can't we? Which they may not, you know, have any idea of what they're really doing. I think if oh, they haven't absolutely. got a responsible or competent person in the business. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, one, one of the biggest, biggest things I come across is, uh, uh, is somebody that's got a couple of vehicles. Uh, they've been in the industry for 40 plus years. Um, and then you go in and tell them that they've been running the operation incorrect and we need to put improvements in. <laughs> what do you know? I've had my license for over 40 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the challenging oh one, um, I, I do enjoy working with them because after a period of time, they're like, oh, yeah, I see, I see why we've done what we've done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You win them over sooner or later, at least. I'm you sure. do, yeah. No, we do. Uh, they're a good bunch. <laughs> good, good. Okay, cool. So, um, what um, I, I'd say, what what have you got sort of coming up in the next year or so? That sort of what what stuff to look out for? Is there anything exciting coming up that you're excited about? And I mentioned me race day. <laughs> you got a race day, have you? Tell me about your race day. We 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 do a charity race day every year uh, up at Newcastle Races. Uh, we hold all the main sponsorships for all the races. Um, and this year we're doing it in aid of the Bradley Lowry Foundation. Um, awesome. So we we the ticket sales that we do, we give a percentage across to them. They come and then they we we help them raise funds on the day. Um, it, it is a really good day. We have um, I don't know whether you remember him, but uh, Justin, who used to do Heart Radio, he comes and presents throughout the day and gets people engaged and entertained. The sponsorships then go down to the race course and present trophies to jockeys and pick out the best turned out horses. It's a fabulous day. So, yeah, looking forward to that. That's 30th of September. Oh, wow. Are you, are you piggybacking on a bigger thing or is it just Logico that's organising that? That sounds like a no, really no, big just, event. Just Logico. I've, I've done it every year for the last four years. We, obviously, not the last two years because of COVID. Um, yeah. and, and we've raised quite a bit of money. Um, I'm running the Great North Run. <laughs> Oh yeah. In aid of another charity, bring her back a smile. <laughs> Good for you. Good for oh, you. Yeah. How far is the Great North Run? Is that 10k? 13 half, and a half, half mile. Half a mile. Is it half a, is 13 and a half half, half a mile? 13.6 miles. Oh, is it? Right. Oh, yeah. God. If you ask any marathon runner, <laughs> if you ask any marathon runner who's done 26.2 miles, that 0.2 miles makes all the difference. Oh, I bet it does so on your legs. Same, <laughs> it's that 0.1 of a mile on a half, yeah. yeah. Over and above the 13 and a half, yeah. So, um, yeah, no. Have you done a, have you done a half? Have you ever done it? No, no. Before I fell pregnant with my son, um, so back in 2016, uh, I was actually training to do the Great North Run and I was managing to run comfortably 11 mile. Now, bearing Excuse in mind we're in July <laughs> and my trainers are still gathering dust in the cupboard. <laughs> I think I need to get them out. And when is it? When is it? Uh, some, sometime in September. Oh, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Be <laughs> I'll have fine. to get a treadmill. <laughs> I'd say if you get to 11 miles, if you get to 11 miles, you'll comfortably do the half. Yeah. yeah. You probably you probably only need to go to seven or eight miles. 
as in practice. We'll see. <laughs> Probably so, not be able to walk. <laughs> I, I've done I've done London twice. The full. Oh, month. have you? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well I know, done. and I'm not I'm not built for it. Um, <laughs> but um, I have done it twice, and uh, the second time I failed miserably. I did do it, but I failed miserably at it. It took me all day to do it, uh, but I was like semi injured semi-injured i was really injured so i had an ankle that swole up like a football um so i ended up i ended up having to walk walk most of it from about 17 miles i had to walk the last 9.2 miles to finish it (laughs) it was brutal it was brutal um but but yeah it's it's some distance it's some distance yeah no it'll be fine i will be i tell you one thing that um is on the hot list at the moment um, and you'll probably be aware of it the change in the regulations around the drivers carrying records presiding 28 days yes yeah. yeah. so um i had a bit of a conversation with a dvsa examiner um who said to me and this was like uh, less than a week and a half ago um who'd said that in the event of a driver's stop at the roadside when he wants records um, he would only accept um, a digicard with manual entry shown or any other work, so train and sick, whatever, um, or a taco chart, a blank taco chart with a handwritten note saying holiday sick. And I said, well, what about a logbook? I won't accept a logbook. The regulations actually confirm, which I've gone, I've only been looking at today, that it can be a, um, a written record. So I looked at the definition of a written record and it doesn't say a taco chart. <laughs> oh, really? Right. Okay. So that's interesting you say that because so I'd always advised people that if they kept a logbook, they'd be okay, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But Mike, Mike, my colleague, who is amazing, he does all our transport manager CPC training. Yeah. He checked that with DVSA and was also told what you've been told, which was, the only form of record that they will accept is either a manual entry on a digitaco, an analog yep. taco disc, yep, or writing on the back of a print off, which essentially are your three official forms, and yep. that they wouldn't accept a logbook. Um, so we've largely been telling people that that's what it's got to be because that's the advice we've been getting. But you're challenging that because the regulation says a form so- of record. So regulate so number four, article six, paragraph five, it says the record shall be entered either manually on a record sheet. Now a record sheet is the definition of a record sheet isn't isn't a tachograph chart. So it's a record sheet or printout or by use of manual input facilities on recording equipment. That is that is the um Exact word in, in the are you regulations. Gonna, are you going to challenge the DVSA? Are you going to challenge your DVSA contact back on it? Absolutely, that's what I've been doing today. Good. Can you let me know how that goes? Absolutely, yes. Because <laughs> we we're we're being asked for a lot of training on this at the minute, and we're <clears throat> quite rightly we're following what we're being told. Yeah. That no, that's sense. and that's what I that's what I was told, and I said I disagreed with them. Um, and the email that I got back today, it says that um, all, like I've been advised correctly, obviously, because it's from the DVSA, um, but then goes on to say they would accept these records in any format. Um, and there's three methods specified in the regulations. So I went and got the um, regulations and that's what the regulation states, a record sheet. 
Have you, and you've gone back to challenge that then? Yep, I says, and so the, I am right at what I'm response, saying. And she yeah. said, um, follow the regulations. So. <laughs> okay, so have they not confirmed that that's okay then? Or are you waiting to hear, sorry? I'm, wait, I'm waiting to hear. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> she then come back and said, so I've put, just to confirm the three accepted methods are digital taco card with or without manual entries, analog chart, which can be used as a record to record holidays, sick, etc., a logbook to record the working week in the event they're driving, in the event for the driving of EU or domestic only forms part of their role. Um, and then they've come back and said, um, yes, just follow the regulations and then put that on the regulations on the link. And I've gone in onto the regulations on the link which is defining um, a record sheet. And then if you get the definition of a record sheet up, it doesn't define it as a tac analog tacolog, taco disc. A record sheet is a recording instrument or something where you record information. Okay. So, so I would challenge that. It could be a notebook. Could be a notebook, yeah. essentially. So if, if a driver got took to public inquiry for failing to hold records and he produced a book, I would argue in a driver conduct hearing, and I would use the definition taken from the uh, from an English dictionary or from Google or wherever and say that does not define taco chart. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Love that. I've got I've got some <laughs> listeners who'll be quite interested in that. So yeah, that's good. Will you keep us posted on it? Absolutely, yes. I will keep yeah. you posted. Like a good argument. <laughs> I bet. Jesus Lisa, I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side here. There's a good question then. There's a good question. I'm sure you can't talk too openly about your experiences with the TCs, and it's largely uh, it's largely uh, classified information. But tell me, tell me, which uh, which of the TCs is the most uh, challenging, or tell me a story of the one of the most challenging situations you've had oh. that you're able Obviously, to share. I can't, I, I, can't mention, I, can't I can't mention names or clients or which traffic area. Um, but okay. but some of the traffic commissioners and, and rightly so only like to hear from the directors because um, and the reason why I say rightly so is it's just to make sure they understand what their requirements are when signing that operator's license. Yeah. Um, and I, I was in one public inquiry um, and, and that I could say that the director knew what he was doing, but I could tell he was under pressure and sometimes people struggle when they're under pressure. And there was a question asked, um, and it was just around where some information was. And he was like, oh, well, uh, uh, and I said, it's in the email. And they went, shh, 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 I am not speaking to you. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look at you trying to help your client. <laughs> I know. I was only trying to like tell him where it was. <laughs> Jesus. But um, so yes, so I just I just say they're just like everybody else. They're just there to do a job, and their job is to implement road safety, um, and to be able to trust the operators that that road safety is driven, and they're not doing anything above and beyond their competition. So yeah, so but yeah, no, there is, and and but there is some really nice ones, and I'll say is is so after that, I'm like, is is it okay if I say something? So I know I, oh yeah, you speak away. <laughs> yeah, oh, I couldn't believe it. I was like. <laughs> you got told. Funny. Yeah, it's the first person that I've just sat and took it on the chin and not argued back with. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's one of those situations, isn't it? Yeah. You just got to, just got to do as you're told. Yes. yes yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll sit here quiet and not speak. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Brilliant. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, bit of a question then about the BAA Transport Committee then. What we should know this stuff, but let's have our like first unofficial meeting here on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> There's a question. <laughs> well. Well, we're going to drive road safety for. I was just about BAA, to say that. We're going, to, we're going to look at the road safety for the members. Um, uh, we are just going back to the um, the change in the regulations around carrying records. Uh, we had just drawn up a training session uh, for our online training. Uh, and I don't mind sharing that with amongst the members just so that they can um, familiarise themselves with what they need and what they don't need. Um, and hopefully just um, give them some good compliance direction um, and, and make sure they don't fall off track. Um, and nine times out of ten, when I, I do go to public inquiries, um, I do find that a lot of the operators don't believe that not that they don't believe, they didn't realise they had to do half the things that they should have been doing. Yeah. A big, big one is roller brake testing. Yeah. And how we should be done and how they should be checked and how they should be reading the sh uh, sheets. Um, and they think that they're booking a, a laden roller brake test because they should be doing a minimum of four per year. Um, and they're trusting the garages to do that. And because they don't understand the report that comes back and they just see overall pass on it, they think they've done the right thing yeah. and technically they haven't and the responsibility sits with them as an operator and not with the garages and and sometimes that's a lot of failings of operators because they yeah. think the outsourcing the external maintenance to an external source so just like somebody if they come to me as a transport consultant they're putting their trust in me to give the right information and guidance they think they're doing the same with the garages and a lot of the garages are letting them down yeah, absolutely. I was going to say brake test, brake tests all too easily say pass and they're not a pass. Yeah. That's the, that's the challenge, isn't it? That yeah. is the challenge. And I think you're right. I think uh, there's probably a real lack of knowledge amongst operator license holders oh, as, to, yeah. as to what a brake test really telling them. Oh, it is, yeah. Uh, we've designed in here um, a quick little simple, like a spreadsheet with some formulas. So you put the information in and it determines whether they've done an, a, a good brake test for you or not. Um, oh, right, okay. And, and, it, and it's just, it, it is complex. Um, when I first started looking at it a few years ago, the uh, Logistics UK had like a, a, a roller brake test guide. I think it's about 15 pages long to understand and read a roller brake test. And it, it is good and it goes into detail and depth and stuff like that. And I showed somebody who was new in the business and he looked and he was like, oh, my God, that looks complicated. Yeah. So we, well, it we is. Just, it is, is. It is. Not, and then when people thing. people see where it says at the bottom where it says um, locked on the brakes, so you've got efficiency, a percentage efficiency against the park and secondary and, um, oh, God, you're picking me out. Anyway, there's three of them there. And there's a percentage of, um, of a pass rate. And sometimes them efficiencies fall below where they should be. So they'll run it until the brake locks and they'll put lock. Yeah. And then they'll put overall past, overall rate yeah. past. Even though well, they've locked but not hit yeah. the efficiency yeah. that they've right. needed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's tricky, isn't it? It's yeah. very tricky. We we actually just it's funny you mention it because it's something we just covered in our we do the fleet geeks peer-to-peer -peer mentoring and uh, we have a group of transport managers who who get together on a monthly basis. And we do like little training sessions with them. And we've just done 
Tom Reddy, one of my colleagues, has done a, um, a like a little toolbox talk for them on brake test, roller brake test, and it was interesting because yeah. they couldn't even take. You can't even process all the information in one sitting sure. either. It takes yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you, it's something you have to read on a on a regular basis, isn't it? You know. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not not easy, not easy at all. No, so, no, yeah. it's all good stuff though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I'll tell you what, it's been lovely chatting to you, Lisa. Yes, thank you for inviting us to my first ever podcast. <laughs> Excellent. And you haven't coughed all the way through it either, like you said you were going to. Well, I kept putting myself on mute. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, that's what you're doing. Oh, he's chuntering again, so I'm going to let him chunter. And uh, I'm just going to put myself on mute. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm feeling really proud. I'm going to put it out there. I got I got told the other day by uh, Tom, actually, who did the roller brake test, toolbox talk. He was doing a transport manager CPC refresher all the way out in the West Country for a yeah. construction company. And one of the guys said, I listened to Pete's podcast. Do you know what? He's a pioneer. We we love what he's doing with the podcast. And I was like, brilliant. oh, yeah, isn't that no, it's amazing? Brilliant. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I love it. I love it. I love having that impact so i'm glad that people are enjoying it and i'm really pleased that you've come on because i love i love that you've come on and one of the one of the the i've got to be careful what i say here there's a group of women transport managers that i know of and i think sometimes they feel like a little bit you know uh, what's the right word i think the women transport managers are just as capable as the male transport managers. Oh, but absolutely. I think that I think I think what I mean is, but sometimes I think they suffer a little bit more with imposter syndrome than men do. Like you know, like gen, I'm speaking really, really generally here because yeah. I'm conscious not to <laughs> dig a hole because I, I mean what I'm saying here, and that is, generally speaking, generally I think men overestimate their ability, and I think, largely speaking, women often underestimate their ability. Yeah. Is that, is that a fair that's a fair yeah. thing i'm not being sexist i think that's no, generally, no, not at all. generally how it is and i think i think <clears> it's really good to have women in the industry on the podcast and sort of sharing the experience and stuff because i think it it, it it sort of lets lets the other women in the in the industry know do you know what it's all good with you know oh, absolutely. We're, we're, we're outnumbered outnumbered but we're definitely deserving of a seat at the table is sort of the point i'm making well, the prime example is the, uh, the old BAA committee. How many women are in the room? Exactly, just you. Just me. <laughs> just you of 20. Yeah. So it's like yeah. 5% of the room, were not it? <laughs> and it doesn't bother us one little bit. <laughs> no, no, but it's taken, I imagine it's taken you time and experience and stuff to realise that, you you know, that, that that's how it is. But yeah. um, I think, yeah, hopefully my generalisation there hasn't offended anyone. I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean to if it did, but... It's, uh, I think, uh, yeah, us geezers, we often overestimate our abilities, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, just to sort yep. of top and tail it, Lisa, tell people a little bit more about how they can find Logico, how they can find you if they're based up in the northeast, if they're in the region, or if they want a bit of help with, uh, with a PI or something like that. How do they get in touch with you uh, and how can they engage your services? Okay, so we're based on uh, Newton Aircliffe Business Park. Um, so if you're within the local area, anyone can pop in. Um, doors always open, even if you want a coffee and a chat. Or you can take information from our website, which is www.teamlogico.co.uk, or just pick up the phone and speak to us. Um, all of our details is on the website of how you can get in contact. Awesome. Lisa, you. you're an absolute star. Yeah, thanks <laughs> Thank for coming you. on. 
and uh, yeah I'll let you know when it's live and I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you soon I hope everyone's enjoyed listening and uh, yeah we'll catch you on the next one cheers okay, see ya bye see ya bye bye <laughs> I really hope you loved today's episode and if you did please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too please do share it across your social media channels we hope to reach more and help more people If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners, and we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.